Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Cinco de Mayo time here on a Wednesday on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And uh, thanks to our friends from Vita de Louis. We're out here at Cantina Louis on Monument Road. Several different locations. If you're stopping by, say hello. It's the Monument Road location. You can come by for some uh, Vita de Louis taste testing as well if you want. Uh, none of that for us during the show, but uh, you can just water, wink. My man Mark Lowry and the Vita de Louis folks are right over here mm-hmm. uh, next to us in the tent. So uh, come on by Monument Road right here, Cantina Louis, and uh, not too far from like the best bet uh, if you're familiar with this area. So uh, come on by, say hello. Uh, up until uh, 6 o'clock, Cinco de Mayo, it is. Any reason to party is a good reason to party, yep. and this is a good reason to party here on a Wednesday. Yeah, I'll be honest, as far as the history, and this probably sounds bad, I'm not sure what Cinco de Mayo is even all about. I think it's the Spanish independence, right, from Mexico, if I'm... Sure. Yep, you going with that? Yeah, go with that for sure. But hey, it's it's another reason uh, to drink. That's how we do it in the U.S. And it is what it is. Unfortunately, we can't partake right now because we're doing the show. But hey, maybe after you can get our beak wet on a little uh, margarita, a little Vita de Louis. What uh, kind of uh, strict diet are you on these days? So uh, where are you at in the one, training? One that doesn't call for margaritas. Probably, but hey, you know, I mean, it, one's just not going to hurt me that much, so it'll be all right. That's true. Where yeah. are you at? What's the latest, by the way? You getting back in the cage, or hopefully something big uh, in July? Let's just say. Okay. Can't announce anything quite yet. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you got a little time. Got a little time. We're about eight or nine weeks out. Um, so I'm actually starting to fight camp already, because uh, it could be a big fight. So I'm getting ready, like as it is right now. But we're gradually getting into it. So. Okay. Uh, nothing signed, sealed, and delivered yet. No, nothing signed, sealed. Those, yeah. Uh, that that news. Uh, coming up. But, hey, Aaron Rodgers just won't go away, will it? Uh, mm. I mean, golly, we need a topic. And I'm telling you, is there anything? Is, is it what is it? Park Street in New York City? I think that's where the NFL headquarters are at. Okay. Maybe they are the ones that stir this pot. They're yeah. like, ah, hey, you know, we need a little something to get us between draft time and the schedule release. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Here's one. Yeah. I mean, this is just bizarre and wild and all the rest. And now we've got, like, reports of uh, group messaging going on and uh, the GM of, of the Packers uh, being kind of mocked as Jerry Krause by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, it certainly isn't going away. And this one is, to me, more believable than the whole Russell Wilson stuff, uh, by the way, because there's some smoke here over the last couple of years. But he is coming off an MVP season. Uh, and there seems to be a, a nice mix, head coach QB. Mm-hmm. And while there could be frustrations, I'm sure everybody has frustrations at their workplace. But when it's going well, it's usually going pretty well. And why upset the apple cart? Sure. Aaron Rodgers seemingly upsetting the apple cart and um, has jeopardy in his back pocket. You know, this is like John Elway back in 1983. He had minor league baseball in the back pocket mm-hmm. if he wasn't 
if he wanted to, instead of going to the Baltimore Colts. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> here we are, uh, and Aaron Rodgers is jeopardy to lean back on, I guess. Uh, it's wild, though, that this hasn't died down at all, even though the GM, head coach, others have said, hey, we're not trading. Like, yeah. So that didn't stop it, though. Now you got Brett Favre coming out and saying, hey, I, I think uh, my gut says this, this could be it. Now there's other people who say this could be it. Uh, for the Packers, I just think now, I mean, listen, you'll do whatever you need to do if you're another franchise to go get uh, Aaron Rodgers. But the timing is weird. I mean, we already passed the new league year in free agency, now the draft. It's kind of an odd time to be talking about uh, if Aaron Rodgers played his last game for the Packers or not. No, it is. You know, it occurred right before the draft was the thought that if stuff gets out, Aaron Rodgers could get traded. That might have been the play, even though that was never going to happen. You know, the, the the whole now text messaging about the GM in, in the group chat making fun of him, I mean, this isn't anything new, okay? I think players do this all the time. You should have saw the group chats <laughs> when Gene Smith drafted Brian Anger in the third round. And it even got to the point where some players went on Twitter and felt the need to vocalize their opinions without even going to the group chat. You know, they went on social media. So this might be the reason is... why I don't have a station phone. No, that's true, too. Myself. That, 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 that's true, too. Exactly. <laughs> you can't come get mine, HR. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You can't check the receipts. So th- this is nothing new in terms of player ch- you know, texting about the GM, per se. It's another wrinkle. Um, it's as the world turns right now, and all eyes are on Aaron Rodgers. We'll see how this thing plays out. I feel like it's going to be a long, drawn-out process. There's not going to be any rush or drastic decisions, and it's going to come down to, I think, by – you know, obviously, two, three weeks into training camp, what we're talking about with Aaron Rodgers. Is he holding out? Does he want to get traded? All of that stuff. So what does your gut say? Uh, is he done in Green Bay? No. You no, think there's, he ends there's up no in way. No, there, there, there's no way that you're going to trade away Aaron Rodgers once again. When, when you went to the NFC Championship game last year, um, you're a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl, and now you're just going to go ahead and rebuild the whole thing and trust the quarterback in Jordan Love, who has zero NFL experience, who set the pine a little bit, but has zero NFL experience after you just re-signed Aaron Jones, after you have Devontae Adams and Robert Tunyon, and everything's in place to be successful, and now you're going to go in a new direction. I just cannot see it happening. Well, it's an interesting take by you, and I'll, I'll say it in, in this respect. When we ask this about Deshaun Watson, this was different timing, of course, going mm-hmm. into the off season. But you're like, I think he'll want, he'll ask out, he'll want out, he'll get his way. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at other players, they'll get their way. Do you think it's just too late in the in the calendar year for Aaron Rodgers to get his way, or why is this a little bit different when we've seen so many players, if they want out, eventually get what they want? See, to me, it's different because when we talk about Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans from the past couple of years, they have never been a Super Bowl threat. Now, yes, they've gone to the playoffs, right? They got curb stomped by the Kansas City Chiefs, but you never got the sense that that team, that roster, that personnel was going to the Super Bowl. If you go to Green Bay and you see who they have top to bottom um, and the success that they've had the past couple years, you get this sense that they're a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl. So to me, that's the biggest difference. It's hard from a, a, a management standpoint to say, okay, we're so close. We're literally on the cusp of hoisting that Lombardi trophy, but now let's go ahead and blow this whole thing down and turn around with Jordan Love. It's just it, it's hard to comprehend that. On the other side, Deshaun Watson, yes, top five, maybe top eight quarterback. I understand that. But if you're the Texans organization, you look, okay, it's just the top eight, top five, whatever you want to say, quarterback, but what does he have around him? Not that much. Are we going to the Super Bowl anytime soon? 
Probably not. So let's go ahead and tear this thing down. Let's get as much draft capital as possible, and let's rebuild this thing. Yeah, what's interesting to me is how players internally might look at this and understanding that Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers has more cachet than anybody Mm -hmm. uh, by a mile, Mm -hmm. okay, Mm -hmm. by a mile. Mercedes Lewis, very well uh, respected, but cachet-wise, I don't think so. Aaron Jones just signed a big deal, sure, but come on, not even close to Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about it from this perspective. Players obviously respect the heck out of Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. and and what he does, and probably the business side of things, players usually agree with players. Will there be a time in this that people are like, all right, Aaron, enough, man. Come on, we're a win away. We're, We're so close. Let's go do this thing. You know, one of the reasons Aaron Jones came back, one of the reasons probably Green Bay signed him back, spent the dollars. We're so close. We think we can get this done. Do you sense, because what I envisioned is like, okay, let's just say it happens in sometime in late July, August, he reports to camp. Mm-hmm. You have to address the elephant in the room somewhere along the way. Like if, if you're the head coach, if you're the organization, does Aaron Rodgers get up and be like, guys, don't worry, man, that was so overblown, or mm-hmm. uh, don't worry about the distractions of that, I'm here, I'm with you. Like, will there be any kind of those kind of conversations internally, be like, hey, Aaron, come on, man, let's go win this thing, or Aaron, enough, I mean, it's been a couple of years of this stuff. Or, ah, don't worry, just go take care of your business. How do you think it's viewed by players? So if there's a group chat talking about the GM, that means that there's yeah. more than one guy on Aaron Rodgers' side. Good point. Okay, so th- that's the first and foremost thing. You know, when we look at what happened with Jalen Ramsey here, the fan base had his back for a while, then all of a sudden they turned on him because, well, the whole back thing, no pun intended. Well, pun intended, I guess. With This is different, though, and this is wholeheartedly different because even in the sense with Jalen Ramsey, you didn't get the sense that the locker room really had his back, right? It was like, yeah, Jalen just kind of being Jalen. I think it was um, – who was the guy that kind of just, like, nodded and shook his head when he was asked about it? Oh, um, um, who was that? That was uh, the nickel corner. Um, no, it was, wasn't it Marcel Darius? Oh, it was a little bit of Darius, yeah. I think, too. But uh, who, who played the nickel? Who, what's his name? Um Okay, well, regardless of uh, whoever it was. Why well, can't I? I'm blanking on But it. I remember Marcel Darius said something about it, too. You just got the sense that that locker room, like, you know, they understand business, but at the same time, they didn't really have Jalen Ramsey's back. Maybe he wasn't the best of teammates. Who knows? Maybe it'll come out in the book one day. With Aaron Rodgers, though, it is different. Because, number one, you're the quarterback. You're the leader of that team. And that team literally is right where they are because of Aaron Rodgers. Robert Tunyon should be a Pro Bowl tight end because of Aaron Rodgers. Al Lazard is Al Lazard right now because of Aaron Rodgers. So that guy has elevated everybody around him um, in that locker room. And I think they respect him enough to go, okay, obviously something's not vibing right now with the GM. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers has been there there longer than the GM has. So if you're asking if it's going to be a civil war and a line drawn in the sand, where is the locker room going to go? I bet it's going to be on the side of Aaron Rodgers. DJ Hayden, by the way. Who DJ Hayden. There you go. Thank you. Uh, and I think he was kind of, kind of. I don't know if he said anything, but it was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Just was like it, was it Marcel Darius that, like, shook his head? I think head? he kind of did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, there were some guys. You're right. Uh, there were there were some guys that's kind of like Jalen being Jalen. Sure. Uh, this is a little bit less Aaron being Aaron. Uh, I have a hard time. Quarterback. Yeah, I have a hard time believing any of his teammates are going to go, that's Aaron being Aaron. But from the outside, isn't it kind of Aaron being Aaron? I mean, in a way? I mean, does it, are we getting to that point with Aaron Rodgers? Almost like we got with Brett Favre where it was, that's Favre being Favre. Who knows if he's coming back? Yeah, but, but, but even to the extent of Favre, like Favre was the guy that never showed up the training camp. Right, like Favre was the guy that was holding out until Finley got a new contract. Like Favre w- took it to the nth degree, and people still like, pray at least in the Green Bay, praise that guy. You know, the, the ground that the guy walked on. Now, 
when he went to New York and then eventually Minnesota, you know, then obviously they turned on him as they should have because the Vikings being a division rival. But through all the the far of drama, um, you know, through all the politics, I felt like that city and that team stuck by Brett Favre. I don't think Aaron Rodgers has Ward as welcome quite as much as Favre even did. So I think that city and obviously the the locker room is going to have his back. You know, a couple years ago we were talking about Ngakwe and Ramsey and Coughlin and everything going on here in Jacksonville. We were like, why Jacksonville? You guys aren't doing it right. Like, why why do you have all this drama here? It's dang Jacksonville. And I'm not saying there wasn't any truth to that. Uh, Now a couple years later it seems to be flipped and everything's kind of in the past in that regard. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting to me is when we're having those conversations, it kind of felt like Jacksonville doesn't win in the NFL because of these issues. This is why they can't win. This is what they haven't been doing right. This is, look at other organizations. The Jags are the only ones like this. Well, since all that kind of played out, we have other examples, you know, Houston. I mean, this Green Bay might not be on that level, but it's still very peculiar. Seattle played out that way a little bit uh, this year. Philly. Uh, Philly as well has played out a little bit like that with the whole Peterson thing and Wentz thing. That's a good call. I get, is that more just like, hey, this does happen in professional sports, this does happen in the NFL, or is this, by the time five years rolls around, I can knock off every team that this will happen to in one way or another. There will be some inherent drama in their building around their organization based on players uh, not extremely happy, uh, player empowerment potentially, whatever it might be, management mismanaging. Uh, it feels like we're down a road now that you can almost check every team in the next uh, however many years. I'm sure there will be an exception here or there. But uh, we're getting now to a handful, six teams, whatever it might be, that they've all had similar kind of things blow yeah. up in the off season or well, during the season. Well, I think the biggest misconception of, of watching the NFL is thinking that um, – Every team is hunky-dory and every team is good. Every team has some form of drama. Every team that, that I was on, whether it was the Lions, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chicago Bears, and those are for, for some short times, and obviously the Jaguars as well, every one of those teams had drama. Now it's amplified, and it's in the media when it involves the quarterback position. So every team goes through this. I guarantee this past season there was drama in Tampa Bay. We may never hear about it, but I guarantee that locker room had some sort of drama um, in some sort of time period. So to answer your question, I mean, that's always been there. Now, you know, hearing about it and being elevated more about the quarterback position, that does seem to be new. That does seem to be the trend now. But at the end of the day, we talk about the most important position in all professional sports and those guys not feeling like they're, number one, either appreciated or they're listened to. That's going to have some kind of fallbacks. That's going to have some kind of consequences. Whether you agree with it or not, that's just the way that the modern era NFL has turned out to be. So... To answer your question, I think we're going to see a lot more of this, pending that these quarterbacks are, you know, can remain happy. But as we've seen, whether it's in Green Bay, Seattle, which have winning cultures, winning traditions, those quarterbacks can still be unhappy. Let's switch back to the Jaguars in terms of a guts-of-the-organization kind of viewpoint. I was asked earlier this morning again what I think about Urban Meyer, and I continue to say, just if you haven't caught on the show, and I know now we get the draft, and so I don't want to rehash everything from when he was hired over the last couple of months, but... Urban Meyer, to me, when people ask, okay, what do you think of it? How's he going to be? Uh, are they going to win? I think they are going to win. I don't know if they're going to win big. I think the 2-15 and 15 days, i got to say that now because of 17-game regular season, or 3-14 yeah. yeah. and 14 days, 
are gone. I don't see Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer losing like that. They've never lost like that in their life. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine the Jaguars picking in the top five. I really don't. I just don't think it's going to happen. The track record doesn't say that's going to happen. doesn't mean it can't, but the track record said that does not happen with Urban Meyer. And now you can include Trevor Lawrence. I also I just don't know if it'll win big. I, I think that's a fair curiosity, and that's way sunshine and rainbows if I sit here and tell you, yeah, man, they're going to win a Super Bowl. They're going to win three of them by the time Urban's done. I'm not going to do that. But the number one thing I mentioned is he's ripping up the guts of the organization. This is an organization over the last dozen years and then some has won once. It hasn't worked. Whatever they've been doing doesn't mean there's bad people, bad ideas, doesn't mean there's not hard workers, all those things. But whatever they've done overall, it just hasn't worked. I mean, mm-hmm. the record says that. So I like the fact that the guts are being ripped up and turned upside down, and there's an, almost an internal investigation in, in every piece of that building right now going on uh, for Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. New facilities, new better food, all this stuff. Well, with that comes some turnover, and uh, word has really started even late last week, but uh, there's some changeover in the scouting department. Some longtime scouts at the Jaguars have uh, reportedly let go, and, and we've heard similar things. Um, I guess I have this question. This is not surprising. It happens after the draft. We mentioned that when I think South Beach Gary called about it earlier in the week. This is the normal time for that cycle when it comes to scouts. Mm. My question is, can you rip up too much? Does Urban Meyer have to be a little bit careful to change too much? Or is it okay to just rip it all up and start from scratch? Well, it depends what you're ripping up, I guess. Like the decisions, you know, to... To let a lot of the guys in the scouting department go, like that doesn't really have a direct correlation to the guys in that locker room. And when we're talking about success on the field, you're talking about the guys in that locker room right now. Um, you know, obviously the you know the, they're starting from scratch again. I mean, whether it's it seems like the nutritional people, the strength staff. Uh, I'm not sure about the medical staff. Do we know about them? Uh, I know, I know it doesn't yeah, get talked no, about actually, a lot. The trainer was let go early on. Okay, so but um, I mean, yes. So they already have okay. had turnover in the medical. So they had their turnover, but not with like Doctor Kaplan's still the team sure. Doctor, yeah, like yeah. There's going to be some familiar faces. Okay, cool, cool. And then uh, manager. I'm just starting to think that the people that you interact oh, with every single day. Equipment manager, yeah. Still there as of okay. now. Okay, so so yes. so you still have some you know familiar faces, and that's actually a big deal. You know, whether it is the equipment manager, maybe some of the strength and conditioning strength and conditioning staff, um, whatever the case may be, it helps to have some familiar faces. I don't think Urban Meyer is risking, you know, tearing it down and then setting it back up right away. Like, is that too much? I don't think so. Right? Sometimes you got to build it from scratch. Sometimes you go 1-15 and, and, well, you know, you, you got to start from, uh, you know, from, from the ground zero again. So I'm not mad at that from Urban Meyer. And to echo kind of what you were saying in the, in the first part of the question, you know, when Doug Marone would get in front of the camera uh, in, in the press conference and, you know, it was, it was a rough loss, whether they lost by 30 or was it an overtime loss, what would he always say? It starts with us. It starts with us. I feel like Urban Meyer, sure, he could echo those kind of same things, but, like, you get this sense, like, when those cameras are off, he's going to go absolutely ballistic in, in the locker room if they keep on losing. Like, I, I, I just feel like losing is such a, a foreign thing to Urban Meyer and people want to make fun of like how's he going to handle it? How's he? I think he's going to handle it by chewing out the team and making sure it doesn't happen again. You know, and it's all about how you lose. Some losses, you know, are going to be nail biters. You you live to see another day, so be it. But if the quality of losses on that field from the Jaguars, you know, we're talking twenty, you know, getting blown up by twenty-one points or or losing by even fourteen points, that's when I think Urban Meyer could go like, hey guys, yes, we're, this is not acceptable. I I will. 
cut you, I will bench you, whatever the case may be, but it's not acceptable. I think in terms of accountability, because I know that's Joe Collins' MO as well, I think accountability uh, will be brought to the forefront more than ever. And if guys can't do their jobs, I think guys will be let go or guys will be benched. Yeah, here's the thing. When you have change, I mean, there are changes <laughs> when you have change at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back to 2012 when Shad Khan bought the team. A lot of good people in that organization that knew for a few years and had been there for a long time lost jobs or changed over with jobs and salespeople, uh, management people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what happened. Shad Khan, Mark Lamping brought some of their own people in. If you go to 2013 where it looked like they really ripped it up, Gene Smith, Mike Malarkey, you bring in Gus Bradley and Dave Caldwell to kind of re- revamp things completely, at least from a football perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some people, I think, that, that lose their job and go away. Now, I didn't remember it being like, wow, that was a lot. I think this time around, I think that's part of the gutting of the franchise. And that doesn't mean they're not good people, good at their jobs, whatever. It might Sometimes it's a fit. Sometimes people are resistant to change. I don't know if that's the pace here, but sometimes uh, people are resistant to change. So you get a little bit of a mixed bag when you start something new. Any business does that. And uh, this is not surprising to me to see some changeover. Uh, I think you could see changeover in every facet of the building once Urban Meyer gets to it, if he hasn't already gotten to it. Yeah. And, you know, he keeps preaching this own it thing. And, and if he senses somebody's kind of not all in, then I, I think uh, well, wherever that person is that works in the building, I think is on alert. And that's the last thing I would say. When you change things over, people are on high alert. Like when, when we get bought our company and we have new ownership, People are uh, like kind of walking on eggshells for a little bit, for a few weeks, for a few months, kind of like, all right, let's figure these guys out. Are they going to uh, yeah. fire me for turning this way in the building, or, or are they going to just cut everything? Or I mean, that's just natural stuff that happens in the business world, and it's happening a little bit right now, I think, at Jags headquarters. At the end of the day, Urban Meyer, when we talk about in that stadium, he is the boss. Now, yes, I understand that Shad Khan you know, writes the checks and all that stuff, and he has the money. But Urban Meyer is the boss. And like any great business, whether it's the manager down to the lowest on the totem pole, the whole goal of being the boss and having a great culture is having the, the guy the lowest part of the totem pole reflect what you're trying to do in terms of energy, in terms of your message, and all that stuff. So Urban Meyer is trying to bring in people that you know he can think matches his intensity possibly, his message, his energy. And, and I'm all for that. That's what makes any kind of great business, regardless of professional sports or not. And keep in mind, if you read up on Urban Meyer, if you look at his track record of Urban Meyer, the CEO part of Urban Meyer is what makes him great. Right? But what has won him a bunch of games mm-hmm. at the collegiate level. So this part of it, he is very good at this part of it, whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. whether you're a victim of it or not. He's usually pretty good at this part, identifying what needs to be changed, changing it for the better, uh, getting better things in there, and uh, then then going on and winning some football games. So that's what he's done in his career. We'll see if he's doing that in Jacksonville. But it's interesting because that's a, that's a hard part. Of the whole process. You know, uh, a lot of good people end up uh, parting ways uh, with the Jaguars uh, organization. That seems to be the case uh, with some of the scouts in the scouting department uh, here early this week. We are live at Cantina Louis on Monument Road. Come on out. Say hello. Cinco de Mayo. Meet the Louis right over there. They're all set up for a little taste test. Hmm. Posado and Yeho Blanco. Go check it out. Come on out, say hello. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We'll be right back. Brent Martineau. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I don't, I don't need lactic acid build up when I'm in fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. I've been more than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. 
I do think that uh, our superstars, period, are, feel a little bit empowered by their uh, by their fame and certainly by their fortune. And uh, I do believe that while Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal, look, he's incredible. But I could sit here and tell you right now, he has probably the worst footwork I've ever seen for a starting quarterback. I mean, he. But uh, I was talking to. Uh, uh, John Zarnicki this morning, and I said, he's an amazingly accurate, he protects the football, he puts up monster numbers, but his footwork is all over the place, and I don't know if that's because he got hit a lot, he's out of position and doesn't trust his lineman, very seldom steps into a throw, pretty impressive actually, but I do believe they are a little bit pampered, a lot of coaches uh, would say, you know what, he deserves to be pampered, he's this, he's that. And I say, look, you signed the contract. You've got a couple of years left on that. If you want to be like Tom Brady, play out your contract and then move on. That is Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> well, what a hater, by the way. I know. What a hater, man. Uh, Bradshaw, I, I tell you all the time, folks, you get to a certain age where you don't really give a flying you-know-what what you say. I can't wait until that age. Yeah. Because then I wouldn't have said a you-know-what probably. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, uh, you made me a little nervous there, I'm going to be honest. I was going to say, Brent's rolling the dice right now. But uh, I think Bradshaw's at that age. It's just that he's on TV and radio. <laughs> well, no, no, for sure. And you've heard the same things being echoed by Brett Favre as well. You know, I mean, Favre yeah. seems to be at the point where he's got his he's got his Wrangler endorsements. He's feeling good with himself. He can say whatever he wants to say. So it is what it is, man. It's kind of like that old dude, get off my lawn kind of guy. We get it. You're fine, man. But... I don't think Aaron Rodgers' footwork's really that bad. I think it's actually pretty good. That's just my opinion. Well, though. the whole Bradshaw thing too is like uh, it's very hypocritical because he kind of said something, did something similar back in like 1984 with Chuck Knoll and basically told Chuck Knoll to keep his opinions to himself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, but, at the end of the day, the, the guy won an MVP award last year. So how how bad is he really? Yeah, and you know, a guy like Bradshaw is interesting in that old school mentality versus what we call the new age athlete, this modern era athlete that has certainly changed over the last five or six years. You know, we'll give it ten years if you want, but you even say it's changed since you got out of the league, which was yeah. just a short time ago. So having somebody like Bradshaw relate to this athlete, even a Favre relate to this athlete, um, you know. I think those are guys that would have utilized this platform and utilized the power potentially and utilized this new wave to to maybe even take things to further degrees than what Aaron Rodgers yeah. and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and maybe even a Tom Brady have uh, so far. Yeah, I just and this isn't the first time that a, that a vet has spoken out against a you know a newer school player. Let's just say we say newer school like Aaron Rodgers is really that young. He's been around for a while, but it's just the fact that for whatever reason. The older vets seem to be like, all right, well, we had it a lot rougher. We had real two-a-days, and maybe I got hit in practice and all this stuff, and now I see Aaron Rodgers, and he wants out, or this guy wants more money, yada, yada, yada. Like, I don't get why, you know, the old veteran players like that, they have a problem. Like, you should be celebrating. Like, listen, players are getting what they want. Like, just because you didn't get what you wanted back when you played in the 70s or whatever it was, the 80s, like, doesn't mean you got to ruin it for the next generation of guys. Like, yeah, did, did I enjoy real two-a-days with Jack Del Rio? Absolutely not. Did I like doing Oklahoma Joe every single year? Absolutely not. But at the end of the day, you know, the, these newer players, they don't got to go through that. I'm happy for them, man, because I know that the wear and tear that it puts on your body. So, in, in turn, I celebrate it. I embrace it instead of being a hater and saying, well, back when I played, things were different, and now the times are changing. Yeah, well, that's what they say right now, and uh, Bradshaw does that by flashing a couple of rings, too. Brett Martin, Austin Lane. 
Cool had a pretty solid running game in a defense, though, too, don't forget. That's right. Cinco okay. de Mayo uh, here on a Wednesday. We are at Cantina Louis on Monument Road. Come on out and say hello. Uh, Vita de Louis right next to us, a little taste testing. Their tent is up, selling some merchandise. Maybe we need to sell some merchandise around here. Yeah, man. I mean, shock your mock shirts now you, for sale. You can sell those shock your mock shirts. You can sell those Gardner Minshew uh, headbands <laughs> yes, that you I invested could. in. What, wow, what, what a bad idea that was, huh? Yeah, what else could I in, uh, that I invested really, in could I sell and try to really take it a loss on that thing? Martin Man. Buckley's here from Palm Beach Autographs. He's made it. You know what I love about Buckley, America's guest? What you got? He's always later than me. He's what? He's like, I told him I'd be here about 2.15, 2.30. <laughs> I was here about 2.35, and he's he just pulled up. It's casual time, man. So, casual time. Like, if if Buckley and I did the show together on a daily basis, yeah. Kuz would be, like, in an insane asylum. As like, if he's not already, by the yeah, way. He'd, he'd be, like, playing old interviews for the first ten minutes of the show. <laughs> some of the greatest hits. <laughs> Nothing wrong with some greatest hits every once in a while. We'll get there in a hurry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jawan James mm-hmm. for the Broncos suffers a uh, season ending a torn Achilles working out away from the team facility. Yeah. And in the contract, it says away from the team facility means we might not have to pay you. Sure. I guess there's an asterisk in all your contracts in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, if it's away from the team. Yep. So there's no word yet as if they will pay him or not, but it's certainly a conversation piece out there. Patrick Mahomes retweeted what Adam Schefter said about that uh, in just reporting it, and Patrick Mahomes says, so they are going to take his contract for working out in the offseason? Yeah. Question mark. Mm -hmm. This is something that teams can do by the letter of the law. We'll see if Denver does it. A guy working out, but these are voluntary offseason conditioning times. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Jaguars have a ton of players in their building. A lot of teams opted to stay away during this stretch. I think it was around a dozen teams completely. Some teams might have a sprinkling of players in there. And and guys know how to take care of their bodies and work out on their own. Like I think that's fine, too. But you run this risk that if you do get hurt, you might not get your paycheck. Mm-hmm. That's a tough deal now uh, for an NFL player. It almost begs the question, would you risk it? And stay away in the voluntary mm. portion if you might get hurt and not get paid. See, it depends on the circumstances that we're talking about getting hurt. It's one thing if you're playing basketball or, you know, if you're on a crotch rocket and you get hurt, yeah, right, yeah. And, and then you're out for the season. I wholeheartedly agree that teams should be able to say, hey, you know what, man? I mean, you were reckless. You didn't follow the contract. Yeah. No money for you. And I think everybody um, would be okay with that. When we're talking about a player that got injured towards Achilles because he was working out and training, like I'm not sure what the conversations are like between you know the player and the strength and conditioning staff. I assume there's yeah. some kind of conversation. Yeah, you would think they give kind of a. a Playbook. Right? Yeah, yeah, you can get a little program going there via email or you know like a, the hard copy. So maybe he was following that program. Maybe he was following the email they sent to him, and it was just a freak accident. Yeah. If that's the circumstance, and keep in mind, all eyes will be on the Denver Broncos because this is kind of a monumental thing. It's one thing once again where if you get hurt um, because you're not working out. This guy wasn't at the CrossFit Games tearing an Achilles. This guy was doing the off-season conditioning, right? Um, I think you would encourage players to do that, whether it's in you know the facilities or at their own discretion. So I'm very curious to see how Denver handles it. Obviously, being a former player myself and being a little biased, I would like to see at least a good amount of that um, salary come his way. Does that have to be 100%? I understand that. But it should be a good chunk because, once again, in good faith, he was working out. He was doing the right things. It's just 
accidents happen sometime. This is one of those cases right here. It got me thinking. Did you know when you were a player that there was that asterisk? Like, how well did you know your contract, I guess? Like, it, Let's just, I mean, yeah. listen, I, I have a my TV contract. I go through it. I have a lawyer go through it. But if I can't sit here, i got to go back and look stuff up if you ask me a question, like, do you have this in it or not? Like, yeah. I really do. So I did, mean, how, how well-versed were you as a young player? Now, you got to remember, this yeah. isn't you now. Yeah. This is you then at 22, 23, 24 years old. How well-versed were you in your contract? I mean, I, I was pretty versed. Um, I had an agent that kind of gave me the cliff notes. But in terms of, you know, getting hurt off-site, I was very versed in that. You know, I mean, if you know anything about me, you know that, you know, family, friends, MMA and snowboarding are like the top four things in my life. Um, and it was to the point where when I played in Jacksonville and I played in Chicago and Kansas City and, you know, you name it, um, I, I refused to go on the hill. I, I refused to go snowboarding. Now, I mean, I've, I've been snowboarding my entire life. I know what I'm doing. But just even to have the thought in the back of my mind where if I got hurt snowboarding, they could take my contract away, I, I just I couldn't justify that. So uh, that was something that I sacrificed just so I wouldn't get hurt. And in retrospect now, I'm, I kind of regret not doing it because I wish I would have gone more. But it is what it is. But, yeah, that's how versed I was in that. Even, like, playing pickup basketball, like, I, I was always – probably a little overly cautious about getting hurt outside the football facilities. Do you think that's mainly because of how much money was on the line or just the idea of it's, the commitment to football team, well, your craft, yeah. everything else? It's two things. Uh, no, it's not the craft because you, you do need some downtime. Like yeah. you, you do need to fill um, up your life and, and have energy that's not geared towards football. So it was nothing like – you know, was it did it take my focus away from football? No, it was just the fact that I was afraid. Number one, the money that I would lose, and number two, the opportunity that I would lose. Yeah. Because, you know, being my position where I wasn't a guaranteed bona fide starter, I mean that could be the only case where it's like, all right, he got hurt, he's off the team now, right? Or all of a sudden someone takes my spot, and and I couldn't co-sign on that. I couldn't live with myself if that happened. So it was more of just squashing the opportunity. Yeah. I- I think I agree with you, by the way. This seems in a world where everybody's trying to take care of the player Mm. and kind of be that organization that does business the right way. Like, I understand the letter of the law, the contract, but you this seems if if this guy, they now they got to investigate a little bit, got to make sure it was during working out. You got to do those things. Mm -hmm. Right. Where did it happen? But I'm sure there's no reason to believe otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so if that was the case, then I think they should uh, certainly Make sure they uh, pay him some part. I like what you said, kind of some parts of it, yeah. if not all of it. Uh, we just got a nice little necklace here for beads. We got some beads, man. It's like Mardi Gras. Yeah. I like it. That's going to be super loud on the microphone. Sorry about that. And we're good. Yeah, it's all right. And uh, we're back. This is very good. I feel like I just got a medal. Absolutely. And everybody needs a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> we got a participation medal for Cinco de Mayo. Um, very cool. Make sure you stop by, by the way. Cinco de Mayo, Cantina Louis, Vita de Louis. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're at Monument Road. Uh, so uh, come on by, say hello right off 295. Uh, easy trip over. And uh, Cinco de Mayo, on your way home from work, say hello uh, oh, yeah. to us, to them, and maybe grab some dinner along the way here at Cantina Louis on Monument Road. Let's take a time out here. We'll see if they pay Juwan James. Be very. That's a tough break for him and for the Broncos. You know, uh, I did see Ryan O'Halloran, by the way. We were talking about it. Should they make a call to, you know, for Cam Robinson or yeah. Jawan Taylor and, and Ryan Robinson? Oh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Robinson needs more PR for uh, Jags. Ryan O'Halloran uh, actually tweeted that out, said, hey, maybe the Jags, since they picked up Walker Little, should, uh, nah. or the Broncos should call the Jags. And Trying see, to get the wheels uh, in motion. Jawan Taylor or something like that. So 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know what how, how desperate they feel in Denver. I don't know their depth chart from the offensive line. Yeah. But that's a significant injury. Yeah. And depending on uh, what they how they feel about it, um, that might be something they want to do. All right, we'll take a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Come on up. Say hello. Monument Road, Cantina Louie, along with Vita DeLouis at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Take your pick. Closer to winning. Again, this is winning a Super Bowl. Closer to winning a Super Bowl. The Bears or the Vikings? I, I would say the Minnesota Vikings yeah. would be closer to winning See, that's bad. Yeah. They had a good draft, though. Vikings had a good draft. No, I'm going to say the Chicago Bears are closer to winning the Super Bowl. Justin Fields Fields is going to be inserted into the lineup at some point in time, like Lamar Jackson was for Joe Flacco. Give them some whatever that is. The, The players get excited when they see a guy like that start to run around and just do what he does with his athletic ability. The quarterback play will come. The quarterback play will come. What people want to see in rhythm, oh, he can make all the throws, that's going to come. You have a dual threat there that causes problems for defense. And so I would say Chicago. That is Keyshawn J. Williams Zubin in the morning on ESPN 690. It's an interesting topic. I don't know if those two teams are who I would pick, Minnesota and Chicago, but uh, I can see out of the uh, NFC North why that would come into play. I would probably phrase it like this. I, a couple of things that, that I think about. Who did get like significantly better in the draft? Like Who, who kind of changed the road they're on yeah. in the in the trajectory they're on or sped up the process. Like, I mean, listen, the Jags could be in the conversation, but they have such a long way to go. They're 1-15. in 15. Chicago's an interesting co- – do you think Justin Fields will make that much of a difference that Chicago now gets put on the fast track? Because they have good players. Like, they've got Allen Robinson on offense, but they have Khalil Mack on defense. They've, they've got some players around there that could not only save Pace's job as the GM, but also really fast track them yeah. uh, to get in the conversation. Uh, in the NFC. I don't know if I feel that way, even though I'm a believer in fields. I don't know if he'll make that kind of instant impact. And I think they've done some muddy things in Chicago that give me less confidence in them. So I don't think they're my pick, but they certainly could be a candidate for that conversation. I mean, at the end of the... You know, I, I, I get what you're saying. But when we analyze the Chicago Bears, we go back to 2020 and 2019, what happened? They went 8-8 eight and 8-8 eight and 8-8. Eight and eight. They finished 500 with who at the helm? Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, and they still won eight and eight. They have weapons on offense. They have a pretty stout defense, as you know, as kind of the calling card in the MO of the Chicago Bears. If Justin Fields can even be just a you know a fraction better than Mitch Trubisky, which you think he probably would, because he's got the threat to run the ball every single play, I think the Bears could be the play there. I, I really do. I think that. You know, the, that team is just missing the quarterback. Everything else seems to be in play. they got a running game. Offensive line is okay. Defense is fantastic. All he needs is a quarterback. Now, is Justin Fields going to be that guy? I'm not sure, but I think he's going to be better right away than Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or maybe Manny Dalton. Do you think Chicago did more than maybe Dallas where they've been? They didn't have Dak last year, and I know that didn't matter in the draft, but they do have Dak, and you would assume a healthy Dak. And on top of that, they had a defense that was abysmal. The, the Jags' defense was bad. Well, Dallas's wasn't much better. Mm-hmm. And they went and really addressed that between free agency and the draft. I think Dallas belongs in the conversation and maybe is is a bigger team that I would point to 
because they do play in an NFC East that is totally up for grabs. There's yeah. a lot of friction still in the NFC North to get through. No, I, I hear you, man. And they did uh, show up their defense as well. Dak Prescott coming back, you assume that Dallas could be a formidable opponent. That kind of seems to be the MO of them every single year, and they always seem to disappoint you. But I, I'm sticking with Chicago. I, I think Chicago is the outright favorite here just because no other team needed a position more than the quarterback, I think, than the Chicago Bears, right? Um regardless of what you feel about Andy Dalton. So Chicago did what you do in the draft. You addressed the need. You addressed the, you addressed the position. And you did it with arguably maybe with the second best prospect um, in the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think in terms of, of getting better um, and, and intrigue from their fan base, I think Chicago has this one one hands down. I think there are candidates. I, I mean, New England with the quarterback choice, if you really don't believe in Cam Newton at all, and Mac Jones is maybe the most, outside of Trevor Lawrence, the most ready guy coming in it feels that way you know yeah, to yeah. just jump into an offense with his smarts and and his ability to be uh, very accurate with the football I mean you can make the case I'm not sure that's a I'm not saying that's a slam dunk but you can make that case coming off last season uh, so the Patriots might have got themselves a ton better just by making that pick, depending on how they want to treat it. You know, They're going to ride with Cam early on, but if they give way to Mac Jones, maybe he's a guy that really gives them a jump start uh, whenever that is in their season. Uh, I look at teams like the Browns, who obviously did well on defense and already had a lot of pieces. Does, does some of the moves they made put them over the top if they get good rookie play? I think Atlanta is a team that I believe already was way better than their record indicated and where they were drafting. Does Kyle Pitts change them offensively and make Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley that much better and therefore Matt Ryan that much better that they become really hard to stop? And they focus a lot on the defense and trying to fix their defensive woes, especially from the first half of last year. I think Atlanta's a candidate in there, too. And what you find out is I'm going to a lot of NFC teams, Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta. The NFC is already stacked, man. It's no, hard sure. to break through in the NFC, but those are some more candidates. No, no, absolutely. I, I do like the Atlanta comparison because, you, once again, I mean, everybody has been praising Kyle Pitts. Time will tell, but obviously he has another wrinkle to an already explosive offense, depending they can all stay healthy, and it gives Matt Ryan more help as well. But, yeah, I, I'm going to stay with Chicago. Though. I, I think Chicago's the team when you have a guy in Matt Nagy who's an offensive-minded coach coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree. Like, you just get the sense that Fields can add so much to that offense now, and you can have so many more wrinkles that, you know, it, it, we're probably going to see the, the, the full potential, let's just say, of a Matt Nagy offense. Yeah, and uh, well, and again, it's save it job. Save the job time for those guys. Absolutely. And sometimes that works, but most of the time it doesn't. When your job is on the line and you kind of get that one more year, mm. I, I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody who's kind of rescued and saved their job recently. That I, I mean, it's happened around here, and they couldn't. Gus Bradley couldn't do it. Doug sure, Marone sure. couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, here we are with Pace, and here we are with Nagy. I mean, the odds are stacked, man. You, wasn't there talk of Sean Payton possibly getting traded because they weren't happy with him in New Orleans? Yeah, Back I don't know where that came from, but maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um I think Garrett was on the lo- job was on the line a bunch of times. I'll tell you guys, the job was on the line a bunch of times and actually did deliver is Coughlin. Coughlin in New York, yeah. it felt like for five, six years in a row his job was on the line. It's a good and point. And you look up a couple years later and he's won two Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, he's, a, he's a success story out of there. Mm-hmm. But I do think the odds are still stacked against you. When, when you're kind of like, okay, this is it. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if you get the honeymoon period. Even if Justin Fields looks the part but struggles a little bit, they're not going to give them the honeymoon period. No, for uh, sure. Nagy and, uh, and Pace. But the, it's like I said before. I mean, when we're talking about the GM, the head coach, like the, this is the Hail Mary. This is all or nothing. I mean, you're already halfway out the door. You might as well make a scene when you're walking out, and Justin Fields going to Chicago, it's going to do that. Who knows? Maybe it pans out. Maybe that Nagy offense works, and all of a sudden the Chicago Bears, that they match that defense, play complementary football, and the Bears are maybe the, the, the top of that division now with the Green Bay Packers. We uh, talk a lot about the Jaguars, haven't talked a lot about the overall draft. I do have a question about the quarterbacks coming up. Which quarterbacks are ready right now to jump in? I just kind of hinted at it with Mac Jones. We know what's going to happen here with Trevor Lawrence. What's the right situation for the quarterbacks that got picked mm-hmm. in these in the first round, those five quarterbacks in the top 15 picks? Mm-hmm. Is it five of them? One, two, three, four, five. Yes. Five. <laughs> uh, yes, five quarterbacks in the first uh, 15 picks. When should they play? What's the right path for them to succeed and for these teams that they invested in heavily to succeed. Sometimes patience pays off. Sometimes I give you does. Patrick Mahomes, but yeah. it's not the way it has gone in the NFL recently. More often than not, you're getting thrown right into the fire and you're either ready or you're not. We go there when we come back. Cantina Louis, Monument Road. Come on out and say hello. Just got some chips, salsa, guacamole, queso. Ooh, baby, the party <laughs> has started. And some Vita de Louis. Can't have that for us, but you can. Come on up. Say hello right here on Monument Road. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.